Good to be here together. We had a, we did have a great time uh, at Mission. It's just it's just such a privilege to be honestly um, to be able to share the good news of Jesus and um, share with people who don't know Jesus at all and to knock on doors. Um, I, I've got to get going on things here, otherwise we'll be here all morning. But I just wanted there were so many good stories and. Um, uh, yeah, Michelle had some great ones. She didn't have time to read this. But ask her afterwards about the number of women she spoke to. Um, we, I spoke to this, this, this one... I'll just tell you this quick story about one family. The start of the week, they were not interested at all. We, we go around and door-knocking at 5 o'clock every afternoon for the next day's activities and invite them and so on. And then um, this one family at the start were not interested at all. They were really, you know, a little bit aggressive. Um, and, but we were super friendly, you know. How you going? All that sort of stuff. And having a great time. And then... Um, by the end of the week, uh, they, their kids were involved with all the kids' programs. Um, actually, by midweek, the kids were involved. By the end of the week, the parents um, were, were sitting there, we were sharing the gospel with them. Uh, Michelle and I were on the adults' team, not because we were grown-ups, but just because we were. No, no. Um, but uh, we, were, we were having a great time. And, and actually, the last, the last thing we did was a cafe with the adults, and uh, I, um, I was singing a few songs, very Christian songs. I, I sung that one, I think, and a number of other ones, plus some Pearl Jam. Um, and, um, <laughs> and we had a great time, and they heard the gospel, and it was just really wonderful. Uh, I, I don't know where they're at with God right now, but they come every year. So next year, we'll talk to them, and so on. Uh, we had people become Christians. We had people rededicate their lives. Uh, exciting things are happening. I'm a big fan of Beach Mission. Uh, my last one that I went on was... 1996? No, when was it? No. Oh, I don't know, 1994? Anyway, there you go. Okay, we really should get on with things. Okay, so it's good stuff. Ask me later if you want to uh, know some more. Um, we're going to look at Galatians 5 is our main text this morning. We're not going to get there for a while though, so you want to open it up, do that. Um, don't forget to at the end, today we are going to have, so I forgot last week, we're going to have some questions and um, time for a bit of discussion at the end and uh, there are, there's some gaps and notes there for, for sermon notes and you can follow up on the screen. Well I reckon, uh, I reckon most, like if not all of us, long for independence. Maybe you might call it, well you might call it me time, <laughs> uh, you might call it freedom, maybe you do feel chained. Uh, chained uh, to your job, chained to your relationships, uh, chained to your circumstances. And you want to break free. Uh, we long for it, just to have things, just to have things my way, you know, just for once. In 1991, I finished high school. Uh, my final exam was my one-unit general studies paper. If you're about my vintage, you might remember that. Remember the general studies exam? Um, you, you didn't study for it. All you just had to do is read the paper. That's pretty... And put a, put a sentence together. That was the, it was a great exam. I loved it. I didn't... It was not a good one to finish with because I was already starting to holiday. But at that year, 1991, the Soup Dragons... Now, I don't expect you to remember the Soup Dragons. Uh, probably best if you don't. They were a one-hit wonder band. And they sang a, sang a song called I'm Free... The first line went, I'm free to do what I want any old time. Remember that? I won't sing the bass line to you, but it was the best part of the song. It, a song for the times, maybe. song for my time, for sure. I remember when I, that day I finished, I walked out of the school gates and I remember singing that song. I remember the bass line in my head. 
I'm finished, I'm done, I'm free, I'm independent. Uh, I jumped in my car, having got my licence, and I could go anywhere, well, sort of, until I ran out of petrol and I had to ask Dad for some more money. Um, <laughs> independence, uh, freedom, do you long for it? Well, if you do, you're not alone. So today, once again, as we look at these, these questions, or these questions of longing, uh, let's get the emphasis right. Last week was about acceptance. We wanted to get the emphasis right when it comes to acceptance. Of course, there are good things about independence and freedom, aren't there? But we want to ask the question, what does God say, what does God, our creator, have to say about this longing that many of us share? And what sort of freedom does God say is important anyway? Is it really freedom to do what I want any old time? So, let's ask God to help us. Let's ask God to help us with this topic and, and speak to us through his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the goodness of the gospel. Lord, thank you that you died for us. Lord Jesus, you, you paid the penalty for our sin. And Lord, we pray today as we hear your word, help us to listen to it. Help us to put it into practice. We thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus. Amen. Well, experts today and social commentators reckon that the source of this longing for independence or freedom is what philosophers and ethicists are trying to try saying that, song, that word about 20 times in your, out loud and you'll find some trouble. Um, ethicists, people who study ethics, they put, this source, this, this, they put the source of, of this longing for independence down to what's called individualism. Here's a simple definition of individualism. The moral, political or social outlook that stresses human independence and the importance of individual self-reliance and liberty. From philosophybasics101.com It's not a bad definition, but here's what individualism really says. It says that the good of the individual, me, you, takes priority over the group in any decision-making. See that? But if you lived, let's even say, if you lived 50 years ago, if you lived 200 years ago, well, that wasn't the case at all. See, individualism is a new thing. It's been a profound shift in our culture. See, let's say 200 years ago. We, could even say, we can say 50 years ago, in, especially in more Western countries like Australia, like you know, America, so to speak, um, like countries in Europe and so on, you would have thought of yourself less as an individual and more as a part of a community. So you would have done. But today, things have shifted. It's the other way around. The basis of our choices or authority is the individual over the group. I'm free to do what I want any old time. Uh, independence. Individualism over collectivism, to use some more big ethical ethicists type words. So it's why, if we look at the best-selling charts, self-help books, self-help podcasts, uh, self-help apps, they're the ones making the big bucks. 
There, if you want to make some money, write a self-help book. Uh, another example. Now, if you're old enough and, uh, or you've studied some history, you might have noticed something about how we approach promoting careers in the armed forces. It's, it's different these days. So today, as we watch the exciting recruitment ads, you know, those ads for the Army, Navy and Air Force and so on, we watch those ads on TV, on YouTube, whatever, and the emphasis is on the services as a good, exciting, adventurous, rewarding and maturing career. Whereas in the past, it was understood to be a service to your nation. Remember this one? Your nation needs you. See the shift? The service aspect, of course, rings true in the armed forces, absolutely. But when we promote the, a career in it, it's different these days. It's an appeal to the individual's desires. That's the world we live in. That's what it is. Even in the last five to ten years, another example of individualism we've witnessed is, of course, the rise of the selfie. Uh, it's not good enough to be at the event. It's not, and, and our work, you can work out which ones are real and which ones are not. Um, some of them are fake, I just put them in for a laugh. I do love the top right-hand corner, I must admit. Um, there's the old selfie stick. Uh, <laughs> but it's not good enough just to be at the event, is it? No, no, you've got, to, you've got to take a picture of yourself at the event, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook or social media, and show other people that you were there or are there. That's what we've got to do. Interesting fact for you. Do you know that in 2015, maybe I've shared this before, in 2015, more people died taking selfies than shark attacks. <laughs> True. Uh, doesn't that say something about the world we live in? That says nothing about sharks, by the way. <laughs> I read one article which spoke of the modern epidemic of narcissism. Narcissism is really the worship of self. Uh, and by the way, you'd be mistaken if you thought this was just about young people. Uh, let me give you one example, and there are more. You can go on for, for a while. Uh, more and more retired folk are doing something now that only a few generations ago um, was very, very rare. And that is they're selling up and they're spending and their savings and retirement on holidays and caravanning and trips around the country and whatever. Um, good things, but it says something about our culture, doesn't it? And what are they pursuing? Well, they're pursuing freedom and independence. This is the world we live in today. Uh, some of us might like that, it's okay, and some of us might not. It's, it's easy, well, it's not easy, I should say, to be unaffected by it. So what, is this, what does God have to say about all this? That's an important question, isn't it? That's what we want to get on to. What does God have to say about it, this longing for independence, this longing for freedom? What does God have to say about freedom? And how should a follower of Jesus respond? Well, it's time for an acronym. Who doesn't love acronyms? W-D-D-J-M. Take a moment, see if you can work it out. <laughs> that could be very hard. W-D-D-J-M. How do we respond as followers of Jesus? What does God have to say about it? I think this acronym helps. What difference does Jesus make? Remember that. It's not a bad one. W-D-D-J-M. Bit of a mouthful. But what difference does Jesus make? The Bible says that following Jesus makes a difference. Following Jesus will mean that you are countercultural. You're not of this culture. 
Jesus tells his followers in the Sermon on the Mount to be lights of the world. They, they shine out differently. The salt of the earth. The followers of Jesus are not to conform to the pattern of this world, Romans 12 says. We'll look at that verse in a few moments as well. The Bible says being a Christian means you're different. So you don't blend in. You, you'll think, you'll speak, you'll work, you'll play differently because you follow Jesus. So what difference does Jesus make in your life? What difference does he make, really? Does Jesus make a difference in our lives when it comes to pursuing independence? How we think about freedom, how we think about our own desires. Well, the Bible's answer is he should. So let's spend the next few minutes working out how Jesus makes a difference when we follow him. Friends, the Bible's claim is that at the very heart of the Christian gospel, the Christian message, is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not, and at the cross of Jesus Christ is not individualism, is it? <laughs> it's not the self, but it's selflessness. Jesus died for sinners. So at the cross, Jesus, one, not only gives life, but two, in Jesus' death for sinners, the cross shows us how to live. They're the two points we're going to spend some time on in the next few minutes. The cross shows us how to respond to the world around us. The cross shows us, how di how, uh, shows us the difference Jesus makes. So let's look at these two aspects of Jesus' death in turn. And as we ask what difference Jesus makes when it comes to our longing for independence and freedom. What difference does Jesus make when we think about our culture today and individualism, longing for freedom, independence and so on? So first of all, the cross gives life. Uh, it, it's the second heading we're going to look at as well. I hope you're not confused by that if you're jotting down some notes. But here's the second heading, uh, the gospel and freedom. So the cross says that the freedom that matters is the freedom of forgiveness of sin. The freedom of knowing that by his death on the cross, Jesus has done it all. And that by his death, Jesus gives life. The freedom of being saved by grace and not by works. And the freedom of being saved, knowing that this is a gift from God and you can't earn it. You can't. There's a freedom in that. Now, the problem with the church at Galatia, if you're listening carefully, and that was our first reading, Adrian read that one, is that to some of them, the cross wasn't enough. They had to add to the gospel. And in so doing, they stripped the gospel of its power. What they did, they were by adding works, what they do. Now, the works was the Jewish custom of circumcision. By adding works, the gospel was no longer free. They were no longer free. In fact, they were burdened by these works. They were relying on these works. I've got to do this. Yes, I believe the gospel. Plus, I'll do this and I'm saved. And, and so much so that Paul says in chapter 3 of Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Gospel plus means no gospel at all. It means being burdened again by works, by, by sin, in fact. When we rely on what we do, we fail to see what Jesus has done. We fail to trust 
in what he's done. We're weighed down again by, really what it is, it's a slavery of sin. There's no freedom there at all. There's no life, there's only death. Now over here, I've got a, a backpack, I'll be honest, it's got 20 kilograms in it. I wanted to put 50 in to make it more, you know, well, heavier. Um, <laughs> but 20 was by, by far enough. The problem is it's, it's really heavy and if I put 50 in it, it's probably going to break the backpack. So let me just put this on for a minute. If you want to try this afternoon, the kids can't try it, it's too heavy. But here we go. Oh, I'm bashing him down. It's a pretty heavy backpack. Oh, this strap's too tight. That's no good. I didn't check that. <laughs> just going to have to. going to have to fake it with one shoulder. All right. Um, sorry. Here we go. All right. Now, can you imagine? You don't have to imagine. You can come and try it later on if you like. It's only 20 kilograms. Um, can you imagine spending your life like this, uh, walking around with this on your back? Can you imagine trekking to Kosciuszko and back? with this on your back, and it's really even more uncomfortable because the weights, they're two big you know, iron weights that we got from our gym. Um, they're, they're really, it's really very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but what is it? Well, of course, what it does, it actually represents the weight of sin. That's what it is. This, this backpack, it represents the weight of sin. And with this on my back, I can tell you, it's awful. Um, and of course, it'll eventually lead to death because it's dangerous. I can't do much with this on my back at all. Um, I can't, well, I, I can't get things right with this in my back. But here's what Jesus did. <laughs> See, by his death on the cross, what Jesus did, he, he lifts this burden. And it really is a burden. And he places it on himself. Now, really, what I would have loved right here is a big cross somewhere. Um, but that's okay. And what Jesus does, he takes it and he puts it on himself. What he doesn't do he doesn't just take a little bit out of it. He doesn't take five kilograms out and say, good luck with that. You know? He doesn't take 10 kilograms out and say, oh, yeah, you know, you'll be right. It's much lighter now. It's half the weight. No, no, he takes the whole thing off. And I tell you what, man, I feel a lot better. But I don't just feel a lot better. I know I'm a lot better because Jesus has died for me and taken the burden off me. He's forgiven my sin. That's what the Galatians were forgetting. And they were, they were forgetting that freedom we have when that backpack of sin is taken off us and put on Jesus. Jesus has lifted the burden of sin and on the cross he brought it on himself. He has broken, he's broken these chains, chains that we have of slavery to sin and he's brought freedom for the prisoners. That's a word that Jesus quoted from Psalm uh, Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah 61 and Luke 4 that, we read, uh, that, that Grace read for us. Broken the chains, brought freedom from the, for the prisoners. The prisoners, that's what we are if we're still in our sin and we haven't dealt with our sin. By his death, he has set us free. By his death, he gives us life. And so what Jesus does in his love for us, he invites us into a relationship with him. Remember Matthew 11, verse 28 and 30, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, that's, that's true freedom. That was a question we wanted to ask before, wasn't it? That's freedom that matters. That's the freedom that God says is important, the forgiveness of our sin. Taking the burden off us because of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, perhaps today is a day where you need to come to Jesus. 
and he'll give you rest. He'll lift the burden and give you true freedom. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, let's, let's jump back again to Galatians. Uh, now, if you do have your Bible there, you've been holding it open for quite some time now. Um, <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. And, and uh, we're going to read through what we read through before, actually. And as we read, notice what God says about the freedom a follower of Jesus has in Christ. Notice that. That's the first thing. Notice the life that the cross of Christ gives. Try to remember that as you read through. And then, but notice how this freedom makes a difference in how we live. The clue is in verses 13, 14 and 15. So wait for that. Have a look for it. The cross says how we should live. How do we respond to the culture we live in? The cross shows us how to respond to the culture that, our culture that longs for independence and freedom. Okay, so uh, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not... Let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's required to obey the whole law. If you want to do a bit of it, you might as well do the whole lot. Good luck to you, he's saying. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the spirit of righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut out on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from someone who calls you. A little yeast works through a whole batch of dough. I am confident that in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, <laughs> I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If you don't know what that word means, ask Michelle later on. <laughs> um, you, my brothers, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So what difference does Jesus make? The follower of Jesus, see verse 13 there? The follower of Jesus is set free. We're set free to do what? To serve one another in love. That's what we're set free to do. In following Jesus, we follow the example of Jesus, who denied himself, took up the cross. Jesus puts it plainly. Look at Mark 8, 34. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple, down the bottom, there it is. <laughs> whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. In other words, whoever wants to follow me, that's what disciple means. We learn from Jesus, we follow him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Friends, can I suggest a great place to start, a great place to practice this denying ourselves and following Jesus, uh, denying independence, denying my rights, denying my free to do what I want any old time, is here. 
here in the community of believers. It's a great place to practice doing that. Get it right here, we're going to get it much better out there too. This is the final thing I want to say today. The final point, the gospel, church and independence. The cross shows us how to do church together. Now, if you're new or visiting today, um, great to have you here. But I'd love you to notice too, as you get to know us a little bit as well, I'd love you to notice um, how, how seriously we treat this gathering together. It's not something we just treat lightly. It's really important what we're doing. It's really important how we respond to the cross, respond to Jesus. Notice, notice what our attitude what we're trying to do with our attitudes anyway. Okay, point number three there, the gospel, the church and independence. Now, I'm trying to work out if this next phrase of mine uh, is a controversial statement or not. Um, maybe you want to talk about it over morning tea after I've said it. Uh, but the church should not be characterised, as far as I understand, and never really defined or characterised by individualism, should it? I don't think so. It shouldn't be defined by individualism. If I've got my definitions right, if I understand it correctly, but it should be defined by collectivism. Now, don't worry, I'm, I'm not turning into a socialist. Um, however, gee, it's interesting, isn't it? Why don't you talk about that afterwards as well? What's Christianity? What's Christianity got to do with socialism? Hmm, interesting. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Just that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Getting some interesting looks too. But the church, you see, is not about the self, is it? It's not about the individual. It's about the collective. <laughs> it's about us. It's not about independence and what I can get out of it. It's characterised by love. Love shown in service and humility. So back to Romans 12, verse 1. We quoted it before. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, where do we see God's mercy? The cross. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In fact, Paul goes on to write that the church is not, only, is not about independence, it's about dependence, dependence on each other. Where the, the body of the church is like a real body with different parts, eyes and ears and legs and all the rest of it, and they all depend on each other to make the body work. So the church is actually about dependence, not about independence at all. Notice too, the cross, the in view of God's mercy, shows us how to live, how to serve here at church. What do you see when you look at the cross? Well, you look at sacrificial love, don't you? Let me give you an example of this during the week. So I was away. Um, I was down at Beach Mission and uh, having a great time. Uh, during the week, a, a, a couple noticed, a couple amongst us noticed that the church needed a clean. Um, and uh, so with little fanfare, they just served. They cleaned the toilets. They vacuumed. They tidied things up, straightened the chairs, put rubbish away, did all that sort of stuff. They even texted me down on Beach Mission if it was okay if they could clean my office. Now, not that it was particularly dirty. Um, I had actually cleaned it the week before. Humble service. Now, this church is full of such people. We ought to give great thanks to God for that. Uh, people in the kitchen working away, uh, people working with young people week in, week out, uh, people mowing lawns, I could, I could keep going, going, fixing stuff, putting out, putting up a new shade cloth. Did you see the new shade cloth? That's going to be very exciting and actually a great help for ministry with our jumping joeys and on Sunday mornings as well when it's hot. 
um, three days a year. Um, <laughs> nah, it'd be great. Um, it'd be really good. Uh, serving for no recognition, but for the sake of others. Denying themselves and being like Jesus, because Jesus denied himself for us. Let's keep reading of how the church is not about individualism and independence. 1 Corinthians 14 is another good example. Makes it clear that the purpose as we meet together, so 1 Corinthians 11, 3 to 14 are all about church and how church do, we do church together. We're going to do it in 1 Corinthians later in the year, actually. But as we meet together and use our gifts, we meet together to build each other up. That's our purpose. It's not independence. It's not our, my own freedom, in fact. So 1 Corinthians 14, 12 and 26, in the context of using our gifts, so it is with you, since you are eager for for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. And down to 26, the second half of 26, everything must, done, must be done so that the church may be built up. It's very clear. That's the purpose of us gathering together. You see, the church, that the church is the followers of Jesus gathered around his word. The church is countercultural. The church is not a building. It's not tradition. Forget that. It's, it's us gathering together. It's people. And we are countercultural. Because we follow Jesus, who died for our sin. That's the ultimate countercultural act, isn't it? So it's not about me, it's about us. We build each other up, we don't meet to build ourselves up. I'll give you another example, let's keep reading. Um, how we speak to each other then matters, doesn't it? Uh, friends, we ought to think first, think love and service and encouragement and building up. So Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we, how we may, may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you said, the day of Jesus, his return approaching. Who will you encourage today? You got someone in mind? I won't ask you to look around because it'll be awkward. But think about it. Who would you like? Who, who should you encourage today? Today's as good a day as any. Find someone to encourage. Who will you encourage? So the challenge for us is not to let individualism and the pursuit of self characterise this community. So that'll mean practice. It'll, well, it'll mean, yes, practice. It'll mean patience sometimes. It'll mean holding our tongues. It'll mean simply thinking about others and choosing to build up and encourage and humbly serve. Let's, let's tie a few things together. I've gone on for long enough. Um, when, when it comes... Let, Friends, when it comes to our longing for independence, and we're all going to do it, you know, that's what we are, we're, 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 we're sinful people, uh, longing for maybe freedom, selfishness even. Let's remember that not only is true freedom given at the cross, the forgiveness of sin, but the cross changes our worldview, changes the way we see things, it changes the way we live from self individualism to other and there's no better place to put that into practice than this community here why don't we ask God to help us do that we need his help don't we let's pray father we thank you for uh, the cross of Jesus Christ Lord we thank you for the freedom that we have because you paid the price for our sin Lord you, you Lord Jesus you died for us and in so doing uh, took that burden and makes us free forgiven. Lord, we pray today, maybe today's a day where we come back to you or today's a day where we come to you for the first time and we put our trust in you. Lord, help that be the case. Lord, we pray that we would not have, uh, would not, 
be affected, maybe we should say infected, by the culture of the world around us which, which, uh, which puts the self above all others. But Lord, we, we pray that we would indeed look out for the interests of others and that we would uh, humbly serve each other in love. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we can look at the cross and we can know how to live. So help us with that, Lord. It's not going to be easy, um, but we know with your spirit in us as we believe, Lord, you would shape us and guide us. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.